How's it going? My name is Rob Mora, and welcome back to the Tape Deck Podcast. Really excited to be speaking with you guys again today. It is March 13th, 2020. A little partly cloudy out. I've got absolutely no coffee in my body doing a little bit of a caffeine kick. So I'm a little less energetic than usual, but we're going to push right through that. Today on the podcast, we've got Proofs, a band I've been following for years. They're a local Seattle band. If you haven't listened to them already, you should. They're kind of mathy. They're really cool. Um, they put out a new EP recently called Descend Into the Particular that we, uh, we did a review of uh, a few months ago. Definitely go check that out. Oh, God, it feels weird to be doing these uh, bi-weekly now. We've covered so much music since. Uh, last Friday, we put out our first column of single coverage, which was really weird for me to do because uh, it's not something I do every day, look at singles and feel, hmm, was this good? Was this bad? I'm not sure. Um, everything we do cover is great, and you should check it out. It's called Lightning Round, the last... Uh, Column came out on March 6th. We covered a whole bunch of singles. Uh, we did Rakma's Rakoma? Rakoma, I think, because it Tacoma, whatever. Um, they put a new single called The Kicker. Uh, we did the new Car Seat Headrest single. The up-and-coming rapper from La Paris. I almost said London. <laughs> uh, this new Parisian rapper, Hendrix Harris, put out a new single. Uh, just a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Go check it out. There'll be another one coming out next Friday. That's going to be really sweet. Um, this week on the site, we covered everything from Rap Boy's Printer's Devil, which we said was one of the earliest must-listens of the de- of the decade. Jesus. Well, I guess of the decade, right? It's a new decade. Um, and I would certainly say so, because it's a phenomenal album. Go check that one out. Um, Caribou, U.S. Girls, Alchemist, all these people got press. Uh, we did cover two local acts. Uh, one of them is a duet, a couple, between uh, Mia Fey and uh, David James. Uh... They were originally in a folk band, Wolfchild, they still are, but now they have their own band called Noia, and they put out a new EP called Parallels. Absolutely go check that out. It's wonderful. It's emotional, but it's done right. Sometimes I listen to emotional things, and they get kind of cheesy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a cynic, and I keep my cards close to my chest, so it, it takes a little bit for something to affect me, but it did. And that's a mark that it's actually really, really great stuff. So you got to go check that out. And then also, uh, local Seattle band Power Bleeder put out a new record called Welcome Back. Um, which is very fittingly titled because it's a great return to form. They didn't need to return to form, but uh, they really dove into pop uh, more than I've seen them. You know, they're an experimental band, but they usually have like a, a rock focus, and this one definitely feels more like kind of kind of poppy. I don't want to. I hesitate to word, use the word indie pop, but it's kind of carnivalesque, a little of Montreal. Um, so definitely go check those two out. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, real quick, I want to give a shout-out to a specific Instagram page that made their presence known to me about two weeks ago. Uh, they're called Color Dot Theories, Color Theories, and um, they do music reviews, mostly of pop and hip-hop records, and uh, they borrowed their format from the color review system that I use, which I find super flattering. Um, they're also really great reviews. I've read pretty much all of them since they've come out. They've only been around for the last two or three weeks, and you should definitely go check them out at Eberville9095 and at FuckKirumi. Color Theories Reviews. Please check them out on Instagram. Oh, my God. Before we get this interview started, um, which is fantastic. I loved interviewing these guys. Uh, Joe Tatey from Proofs the Bassist. He used to have his own podcast, and so he was a natural. Uh, We had a great session. Um, Before I get started, I just sort of want to talk a bit about what has been dominating Seattle for the last mm, week or two. Seattle's sort of been... Seattle in general, Washington State, I guess, has been ground zero for this new coronavirus that's been going around. Uh, And it kind of feels like snow days, consecutive snow days without any snow. There's just nobody on the streets. Businesses are getting hit really hard. 
Uh, I work at a coffee shop uh, in the commercial district of Seattle, and we our business has just slowed down completely. I imagine so many people in the area must be feeling the same way. I mean, this isn't news. Most of the people who are listening to this are probably from Seattle, but for those scant few that have not yet been affected by this virus, man, it's coming for you, and it's going to hit hard. Um, there's already um, work-from-home mandates that are going to last for the rest of the month. You know, everyone in the economy is being affected, but... Um, the thing I always worry about, and I always worry about artists in general, you know, because it's my personal opinion that is, it's, it's harder than it has been for a long time to be an artist in general, uh, is that this is yet going to be another thing that's disproportionately going to affect artists' well-being and living and everything, you know? Just uh, a lot of artists, first of all, work in the service industry, which is obviously going to get hit hard. People aren't going to want to go out, social distancing things, so I'm assuming that hours like mine are going to get cut. Um, businesses are going to close down completely, and that's a, a pretty much an obvious source of income that's not going to be available to a lot of people. On top of that, you see, oh god, I don't want to use the word unprecedented, but unprecedented levels of closure for a lot of festivals. South by Southwest just got canceled for the first time in its history. You know, I'm assuming Coachella and Bonnaroo were going to go the same route, um, and that's a lot to deal with. You know. I mean, touring is essentially where artists make the bulk of their money nowadays, you know? And even for the local artists who don't tour yet, like the ones who are trying to eke out some sort of living, some sort of income from their music, it's going to be that much harder. All of which is to say that it is harder than ever for an artist to be an artist. So what can you do? Maybe go out and buy some of these records that they've been putting out, you know? Like, instead of streaming them, you know, any sort of money helps. Go to bands, band camp pages, maybe mail order some of their merch. Have something to listen to while you're quarantining yourselves. If anything, it, it is sort of bringing to the forefront uh, how difficult it is to be an artist, regardless of whether things like a pandemic are going on. And so it's just important to support these artists regardless, but even more so now than ever, if you've got it. Um, with that being said... Uh, this interview takes us back to a halcyon time. A time when it was late January and literally all we had to worry about was a potential war with Iran and the Australian wildfires and maybe perhaps, I don't know, a million other things going on. So please enjoy this interview. Make sure to check us out at tapedeckpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Today on the show, we've got The Proofs. Mr. Proof 1 and Mr. Proof 2. How are you guys Ooh. doing? Hey, oh my god. <laughs> Hello. Which number am I? Uh, you can pick. I want to be number two. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone want to be number two? I, I do. I'm, I mean... I'll be number one. Yeah, he, well, he is number one. <laughs> Let it's, your ego build. Come it's on. Also, it's just natural. One. He just is. Miss, well, the, the self-proclaimed Mr. Proof number one is uh, Daniel Harrington. And then the other guy is Joe Tady. Hi. Um, that is two members of a three-piece... Uh, of a band that is actually called Proofs. They're a proggy math rock kind of envelope breaking. Weird rock, yeah. Weird rock, yeah. yeah. Hardcore. Something like that. Really cool rock. We're missing Carlos, our drummer. He's yeah, a great guy. Which is a cool guy. Just shout Carlos. out to him in general. <laughs> What's he doing right now? Uh, he's actually playing a show tonight with a different project called La Sonora Clandestina. <laughs> it's like a noise project with his friend Paulo, who, like, Paulo has different. People come play with him. You know, knowing how good of a drummer Carlos is, I can only imagine how that would sound. Yeah, in he's noise rock. 
He's a beast. We've seen um, the project play without Carlos before, and it was really cool. It's a lot of soundscapes and like Ooh. noise stuff with also like a little post rock in there. Cool. Um, and it's all improv and just really, it's really interesting. And they're playing uh, Hollow Earth tonight, so we're gonna oh, go. fucking sick! Yeah, Hollow Earth is so cool. I've only played one show there, but I love what those guys are doing. How I wonder how long they've been doing it for. So long. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine. I remember them doing it. I'm 31 now. I remember like applying to be like an intern or to volunteer there when I was like 23, Holy 24. Shit. Yeah. So really? it's maybe yeah. maybe a decade, maybe more. Yeah. Um, That's a hell of a podcast. Quite a long time. <laughs> I would love to get my hands on whoever is leading that. Or... Uh, fun fact: Sometimes on like bands in town, band in town, or like different apps, yeah. we do get billed as the proofs. The proofs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I wasn't that off. No, <laughs> no, and we don't know where they got. We've never typed that in anywhere. Mm -mm. Oh, this is something I've always wanted to ask you. Where'd the name come from? You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Carlos came up with it. Yeah. yeah. We had a lot of... We had s such a long text chain. It was, <laughs> I don't know, months? Blowing out names. Months? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like, if two of us loved something, the other one didn't like it at all. Yeah, of course. And uh, But this had to be a whole everyone's on board. Yeah, right? oh yeah, yeah of course, yeah. yeah. And so he just like, he kind of just said it, and we were like, oh, that's cool, we're like kind of mathy, and that's a math thing. And, yeah. Oh yeah, you're uh, right. It's oh, one word. It. Um, yeah, <laughs> like we were like that's simple. You it, it, have very your dog can say it. Your, yeah, yeah. Well, it was more something like we wanted something innocuous that would let the music uh, inform it, as opposed to cool. you know having the name inform the music. That's also great. You yeah. know, I, I, we were, I was talking about this uh, the, on another podcast that I did, where uh, the band name always has to be something that's not terribly specific. But also, it's one of those things that's like nebulous. Yeah. You know? Mm, yeah. It shouldn't necessarily say what the music is, but when you hear the music, the name should make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I, I do think a lot of maybe metal bands break that rule in a good <laughs> you way. You hear like, a name and you're like, oh yeah, they're like, a metal band. Right, like Lamb of God <laughs> yeah, or, uh, you know, Megadeth. Like, that's yep. not going to be a pop band. The one name I've seen, or I've seen a couple of them, the one name that always... Have you ever heard of the band Destroyer? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds like it should be a metal yeah, band. Yeah, but it's absolutely true. not yeah, a metal Yeah, for band. the longest Polar time, <laughs> I, I I was, like, baffled by that. Mm -hmm. I would like, be like, are you sure this is Destroyer? I think you have this wrong. <laughs> I know I've never listened to them, but yeah. you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. They're coming out with a new album soon. That's sick. Yeah, I, I actually... Nice. I'm going to be honest. I don't listen to them, but I... You should. I, They're uh, great. Or he's great, and they're great. Yeah. It's one guy. He's oh, Canadian. Yeah. He was the guy from uh, New Pornographers. Oh, oh, really? I didn't know that. He's Is from... AC Newman? No, uh, Dan Behar. Oh, But okay. he was in New Pornographers, I think, for at least a few of their records, and then he left sort of around Twin Cinema. I oh, think. okay. Mm -hmm. I love Twin Cinema. Yeah, right? So he co-wrote a bunch of songs. He's actually on that record, I believe. Oh, cool. I can't hold myself to that. I'm not sure. But I know he co-wrote at least a couple of those songs. Yeah. Uh... Is AC Newman a new pornographer's guy, or did yes, I make that is. up? Yes, he is. AC Newman, you are correct. <laughs> I heard that name. AC like... Newman, Nico Case, and Dan Behar oh, are the three cool. capital songwriters when they were in their big heyday. Oh, nice. You know, they're still making mm. music nowadays. But, yeah. Um, Brill Bruisers is absolutely, uh, what's the term? Underrated, I would say. It needs to get out there. And that was their record they put out in uh, 2014, 2015. Oh, wow. Think, okay, like yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, and check out Destroyer. I love Destroyer's Rubies. Kaput's great. Uh, this night's okay, and his newest one is coming out in a couple weeks. I might do a review of it. It's called "Have We Met." He's mm -hmm. it's him doing Y2K music. He calls it. It's <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's like a whole what project thing. Mean? I don't know. It's like <laughs> it's all gonna end. Well, I was reading an interview of his on Stereo Gum, and he was talking about okay. how around like the two two thousand and that era, you'd walk into a coffee shop and you would hear like, in his opinion, like the shittiest electronic music. Just like mm -hmm. everyone's sort of like fooling around with like these dumb sounds, mm -hmm. and. He, 
back then he had a bias against it. He was like, oh, you know, that's, that just does not sound like me. But now it's 2020, and he's like, well, maybe that does sound like me. Huh. Let's try it out. So he just wrote all this stuff on computer and MIDI, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and he sent that over to collaborators and then brought it back, and, and that's that. You know, that's so, cool. Yeah. He's trying to push himself. And Always. That's the project. That kind, kind of trying to reassess that influence of electronic music lately. Well, it's, yeah. all, it's hard to escape it anymore. I yeah, mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's true. Um, but there used to be like an ethos. Like, let's yeah. keep the electronics out of it. Yeah. And then something turned around like, I don't know whether it was the end of this decade or the middle of last decade, like uh, 2005 maybe or something like that, where that, that energy just sort of shifted. Yeah. You know? I mean, even from my point of view of like really refusing to listen to any of that type of stuff when I was younger and growing mm -hmm. up and like just being like, yeah, I actually do like other influences because it keeps thing inter things interesting. I don't exactly. want to just listen to the same stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. feel like everyone sort of has that journey. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that artists are like, hey, what other tools can I use? Because I've been playing this one instrument forever. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's great. I think that's always nice. You know, it's almost like we take it for granted nowadays because it's so easy to pick up another instrument wherever yeah. it is. You know, even if it's an electronic instrument, a DAW instrument, you know, a VST, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, so that's always admirable. We are in post-genre times. I like to call it now post-post-genre because we're mm -hmm. past the point where it's novelty now. Yeah. Be like, I'll play whatever the fuck I want to. Right. Like, I, um, yeah. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, the genre thing is always, like, when people ask what type of music our band is. Isn't that a terrible question? I, I mean, I just never know how to, I mean, in this setting, I guess it, it makes sense, but, like, I never know how to talk about being in a band without sounding like a douchebag. <laughs> uh, and just being like, yeah, I, uh, we're... Like so now I I I've just started saying we're weird rock. Yeah. Like that because it it and people will just be like oh okay cool. Weird cool. rock where we yell. Yeah. I, yes. Exactly. <laughs> weird rock where we yell. Yeah. Weird yell rock. Um. Mm -hmm. Because it just like I don't know. I'll, people will be like what you know but what genre and I'm like post hardcore and they're like does that what? even mean anything and I'm like it does <laughs> I could go into at Let's length about it. the history of it. Prove but, yourself. Uh. But I just. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to have those conversations with who, people who... Whoever does. Yeah. yeah. Especially with people who don't inhabit that world because it's just like you're trying to communicate something that they mm -hmm. don't understand. I don't know. I think the best case scenario is to take that question, take that that inquiry, and just fuck with it. Yeah. Like, uh, you've, you've met or heard the band Action S, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. They describe themselves as post-horncore. Yeah, And yeah. that's like, first of all, it's descriptive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't... It, and it's not a genre, but they can make it a genre because who gives a fuck anymore? Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah. anyone can do whatever the fuck they want to. Fudgecore. 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 <laughs> so Fudgecore. We, I don't know, like, especially when we first started, and if you go to our Bandcamp page, I'm pretty sure the border is still fudge. It's still uh -huh. fudge. But that's like... The word fudge or just the it's, fudge? It's a picture, picture of fudge. Picture of fudge. Yeah. Perfect. Because we, we like to say that we're fudgecore. Okay, I, perfect. I don't know how that started. Carlos also. Carlos, yeah. <laughs> the origin uh, man. Why isn't he here? I feel like maybe... Now, like in retrospect, I'm like because we're fudging all the genres together. But that sounds like <laughs> no. we actually thought it. I no, <laughs> pretty sure it was just a dumb joke. Yeah, always is. Uh, but we even <laughs> named some of our early songs. Like we had Fudgecore One and Fudgecore Two. Fudgecore Part One, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which we never ended up finishing. Fudgecore Part One, but Fudgecore Part Two became uh, the song "Way of It" on our very, very first EP. I remember when that came out. Yeah. On tape. I almost bought it, but then I didn't have a cassette player. Yeah. So. That's okay. It's not very good. <laughs> it's fine. I liked it. I, I appreciate I, that. We... I remember I lived in Renton at the time, oh. and uh, I remember listening to it on my way to work, and I was like, ah. Oh, well, that's very nice oh. of you. Oh. I, at the, I mean, 
I don't regret any of it. Like, it was a building block. No one should ever regret their first record. Because it's their first record. We were also learning how to play together and record together. Uh, You know. So I have a funny story. I love funny Um, stories. (laughs) It's not that funny. Oh, my God. Um, So uh, I was in a band before my last band. Arbor Towers? Yes. Um, And I had an old bassist, and he was just begging to gig with people. Or just, like, play with people. So I worked at this place called Raconteur, which is in Seward Park down near Columbia City. Okay. And there's this really weird guy. Um, let's call him Jeff. That's not his real name. Uh, and he was a waiter. Uh, maybe in his like his mid-50s. What a strange guy. Remember the first time I met him, he just talked to me in Japanese. Oh, really? I was like, I, is he I, Japanese? I no. Um, I guess Do he knows it, Japanese? Though. Well, he saw I bought... Because Raconteur is bu- it's next to a bookstore... And I bought a Haruki Murakami novel. Oh, sick. And then he looks at it and he's like, ah, and he starts speaking to me in Japanese. Oh, so I was speak. like, I can't understand you. And he's and like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you speak Japanese? I took Japanese in high school. I just asked you what your favorite they food is. They offer Japanese in high school? Yeah, around here, yeah. Oh, come on. It was Japanese or Spanish. Um, Jap- and I absolutely love Jap- like taking oh. Japanese. Sen- Sensei was like one of the best teachers that I've ever had. She was this like tiny, quiet, uh, but very sardonic uh, Japanese woman who cared a lot about her students, and she would always call me Waruigakse. I'm my, my pronoun. It means bad student. <laughs> uh, she'd always be like, Joseph-san, Waruigakse. And uh, be like, oh, Even yes, though I, yes. got, I got A's in the class, it's just that I would, like, joke around and, like, be loud be during clown. class. Be and, like, yeah. uh, I, I would always do this thing where I would, like, th- we were in a portable, and I would, like, throw my water bottle up when she wasn't looking <laughs> to, like, make it hit the ceiling and then catch it and she'd turn around and be like who did that <laughs> and then other kids would do it too and she'd be like what are you guys doing and she'd just turn to me and be like I know it was you <laughs> detention and then no like nonsense but I would be I was like one of those kids that ate lunch in the portable with her like and, yeah but, and so we were like good friends and she would just be like she'd just take no nonsense yeah she was like you know I'll stop giving you detention if you stop being an ass yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. like uh, and looking back, I kind of feel bad about giving her such a hard time. She was so nice. Everyone does, I think. People, people, teenagers and dipshits. Yeah. We all were dipshits. Accurate. You know? Except Dan. Um, first of all, boiling over with envy, because I took Latin in high school, and I regret it to this day. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it was only French, Spanish, and Latin, and fucking, I mean, Latin's fine, but, like, you can't use it, you know? Yeah. Like, you Unless can, you quote, priest. unquote. <laughs> I mean, take it from somebody who took six years of Latin. I don't use Latin. Six years? Well, it started from middle school. Oh, And then it went okay, through to wow. senior year. Yeah. yeah it was, I was just like, whatever. I don't even know Spanish and French. Cut to me at 28 being like, what? Yeah, but it's cool. I mean, Latin's <laughs> a cool. It's a rad language. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Japanese would have been so much cooler. Uh, I went to school in Massachusetts because oh, I grew so up in Massachusetts. What, what part? Uh, near Plymouth. Okay. I, it's in a town called Kingston, but... I say I'm from Plymouth because there's literally a Kingston in every state in America, <laughs> including this one, because yeah. it's up near the coast, yep. and also Kingston, Rhode Island's the University of Rhode Island, and it's also the capital of Jamaica. So it's not a Part of it. Yeah. yeah. So I just say Plymouth. My sister lives in Northampton. That's why I ask. I love uh, Northampton. Yeah, God. me too. I went to uh, I went to school in UMass Amherst. Oh, sick. But I dated somebody who lived in Northampton when I was a junior in college. It was shortly after I came out. I fucking love that town it's so much. It's an amazing much. town. Uh, I oh. love visiting my sister. Like, I just went there for uh, Christmas, and she doesn't know... Oh, should I say this? On, when is this being released? Whenever. It's probably in February. Okay, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> okay, cool. We're surprising her for a birthday. We can bleep it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but I love, like, going out. She tries to get me to move there all the time, and I'm, like, this close sometimes, because mm-hmm. it's just... 
It's like a small town with a big city. It's basically like eight, an eighth the size of Portland, yeah. but just about as much as Portland, like as far as charm is concerned, you and know? There's this mm. place in East Hampton, which they're basically the same town, called Flywheel, that does like, um, it's basically the Black Lodge of like that area. Fuck yeah. And, like, it's it's interesting, I'm when Dream Decay and like Casual Hex go on tour, and they're playing Flywheel, I like to text my sister and be like, you should go see this like, really loud noise band. Has she yet? <laughs> no. Oh, come on. She's eight years older than me. And I think everyone kids. needs to go see Dream Decay at one point in their lives. I, I support that, yeah. Great I, band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also enjoy their music. Um, um, so hopefully Northampton person. hasn't changed too much than then. No, so, no. So that's one thing. But to continue with my story. So he had a practice space in the Old Rainier Brewery and he's like, I just jam with some oh, friends of mine. Yeah. So he, he invited this uh, other waiter at the restaurant who was a rapper. And he played guitar, and he had another guy who played guitar. And my bassist came, and I played guitar. And we all were cramped in this little, you know, the practice space there. Do you guys still practice there? In Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was like, I need to use the restroom, because I was drunk. And I walked to the bathroom, and I heard some guitar coming from somewhere. Like, it was down the hallway. And I was like, in my drunken mind, I was like, that guy sounds kind of like what I would play. Mm -hmm. So I knocked on the door, and you answered. And I'm pointing at Dan, because you can't see it. Uh, and then true. we yeah, then we started talking. That's the first time we met. Uh, but you had yeah. just started the band at that point, I think, right? Yeah. How long have you guys we been around at that point? New, yeah, we'd only been a band for like six months. Six months or so. Okay, yeah. so you guys were real, still relatively new. Yeah. All had been pieced together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But ever since then, I've just sort of caught each other, you know, at shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There. Yeah. I feel like we're... Um, I feel like everyone in this room is a very avid showgoer, just for the sake of doing. I try. It. Yeah. I've been really bad lately. I mean, um, I but I'm getting better. Spurts. Also, the winter can be hard to mm-hmm. make yourself get up yourself. and go. Very yeah. true. You know, I really have no excuse because I live right outside the Vera Project. And uh, but the thing is, Chris Farron was playing the day I touched back uh, in Seattle after visiting family in Massachusetts, and I was I literally just slept through the whole thing. I was planning <laughs> to go, but I yeah. I hadn't slept in like. 36 hours and I slept for another 16 Can't completely. You didn't go. Ah, I know. You don't even I should just kick myself up. Music. Yeah. Just <laughs> passed out in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Farron doesn't deserve that. <laughs> I fell asleep one time at a show in Portland. There's this band called Floater. Oh, uh, I've heard of them. Uh, that is definitely. Like, like the people I shared a house with all were obsessed with them in a way that like people are obsessed with fish and like follow them around. Yeah, I and I at the time did not like them. Now I do, but I feel like I have Stockholm syndrome. Like we lived together for so long mm. and we would just listen to it constantly mm. that now I kind of like it. Yeah, uh, I see. But I don't necessarily know that it's good. What but is it? It it's it's like weird jam grunge. Oh. I'll show you some later. Okay. Uh, but we went and like to see them in Portland, and I just went because my friends were going, and of I was course. like, "Fuck it, who cares?" Yeah. But they were jamming so long, and I went and fell asleep at like 1:30 a.m. under this like table in the back, and these people like shook me awake and were like, "Hey, man, tell us what you're on. Are you okay? Tell us what you're Holy on." Shit. Yeah, like hit, like slapping my cheek as if like, and I just well, I wasn't even drinking. People just assume that's what happens. At <laughs> yeah, that I think show. I like had smoked some weed it's earlier that night or something. But like, yeah, and I was just like, "What?" And they're like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm sleeping. I just don't like floater." I'm just, and they, I'm just and they tired. were pissed. They were like, "Hey, f- like I could tell that fuck they were like, you. fuck you, man." Like Holy this shit. is because people like live floater. So Holy shit. You uh, just, 
You should just claim you want heroin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Then like, oh, you're fine then. Pills. <laughs> pills. Fuck it. Oh, give me more. Down. Got any more? Uppers and downers. <laughs> and candy corns. I think I want me some of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So, uh, love you guys. I wrote a review of your newest uh, EP. Yeah, thanks, thank you so much. Yeah, I found it. I was like, oh, well, I have to cover this, you know? Because <laughs> I wanted to do your, uh, fuck, what was your first album called? It was In Something Else. Uh, out There In Here. Out There In Here, yeah. yeah. Loved it, but I wasn't doing the tape deck when it came out, so I was like, oh, well, I could do a retrospective review, but I would much rather wait until the next release comes out. Speaking of which, do you guys have an album planned? Because that was an EP. That yeah. Recent. Is there an album in the works? You or? know, we just wanted, we recorded that all in one day. Uh, well, like a day and a half, more or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of wanted it to be quick and dirty. That's be- good. Because we we spent a lot of time agonizing over the record. I mean, we I guess we recorded it in five days, but it was on our mind a lot. Yeah, we also it, had those three songs written. Those three songs have been written for a, for a long time. For a long time. Had to get them on paper. Yeah, and we just kind of wanted to get them out there and get it done. Mm-hmm. Because we're sort of going... I mean, we've been a band for almost four years. We're having an existential crisis. We're having oh, an existential shit. crisis. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Four whole years. I know. Yeah. And, and like, we love all those songs. Like, they are awesome. Um, oh, I mean, I think they're, you know, good and fun. But we've been playing them for so long. And we're so tired. Of we're it, so <laughs> fucking tired of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. like. I don't want to sing Kiln Firing anymore. Like, <laughs> it's uh, still firing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, is there clay yet? Like, uh, um, God, there's and, a wait list. And, yeah. <laughs> people are waiting for this kiln. I love that. Other people need to use it. Just put the clay in. God. Uh, I. Uh, so we we've just been openly talking about like how to move for we I'm like definitely for sure want to keep playing together and stuff but how do we move forward and keep pushing ourselves mm-hmm. keep ourselves interested mm-hmm. we don't want to just write the same songs over and over we don't want to sound the same forever like i think for your genre specific specifically it's really important that that there's like yeah. a variety in yeah. that regard you know i mean there already is a variety you know comparing time signatures sounds whatever yeah it's it's the biggest struggle I see a lot of bands have, including when I was writing songs, is to, to find that balance between consistency and complacency. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, that's very true. Make yeah. it so that you've got a sound, but you can do things with that sound that isn't just repeating yourself. Right. You, know? mm-hmm. you guys definitely have a sound. you know. And if you haven't listened to that, you have to definitely go check out Proofs. I'll remind you at the end of the podcast. But you guys definitely have a sound. It's just making sure that that stays it, and fresh. That it, and it like, grows. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. We want to grow in some way. Yeah, we want to... I don't know. We don't want to be stagnant at all, because that's no fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We've just been talking about how to do that. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> like... But, you know, it, it's not necessarily that we, we have writer's block. It's more that we don't want to settle yeah. on... Ri- like, we want to wait till we're like, oh, that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we've been, like, talking about pedals. Da- you know, Dan got some new pedals. I'm going to get some pedals. Would that ever involve adding another member? We haven't <laughs> talked about that. We have not talked about it. Would we ever do that? I don't know. A uh, trio. What, are we rabbit keeper? 
Hi, what are they doing now? Hi, Rabbit Keeper. <laughs> are they still playing? No. They, I no. thought I heard something that they had done, or were they on a hiatus? No, they're they fin they finished. Which, when yeah. I heard that news, that was one of the saddest things. I think yeah. again, another reason why Twenty Nineteen sucked Amazing because I band. think that record, that EP, I didn't put it down tape because I didn't do a best of at the end of the list. But that was one of my favorite records. It's of the year. so good, bar none. Yeah, and I had listened yeah. to a lot of music at that point. Yeah. If yeah. you haven't listened to uh, to the crowd, to the mic, uh, <laughs> if you haven't listened to Rabbit Keeper's album, it's on Spotify and it is. It's just, just self-titled, right? Yeah, yeah, and it is gorgeous and weird. I did a best of uh, at the middle of the year. I just did an episode where I was just by myself, and I yeah. did that, and uh, I played a track off of it, and oh, said that sick. it was my favorite record of the year. Nice. A yeah, at I, that point, which yeah, was like yeah. July, I think. So. I listened to that, and I, I told Cam about it, and he's like, oh, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No yeah, idea. man. Yeah, man. That record is... I, I remember listening to it the first time and being like, wow. Because yeah. I had just seen that band Wild Live once, and I think I missed like half their set, because I had gotten... They were playing... Uh, uh shit! I think it was the Tacoma Dome Wallingford Annex. Oh yeah, mm. um, and they were playing a set and missed half of it because I didn't get there on time. But then that record came out. I forget somebody mentioned it to me, or maybe I saw it on Bandcamp, and I started listening. I'm like, "What is this? Oh my god!" Yeah, just yeah. The, the quality of the production. Yeah, was just insane. Did well, Cam you know? do everything himself? On yeah. Did he do all the parts himself? No, not all the parts, but he did all the production himself. He is a producer, right? He'll so, do producer. Yeah. He, he made. He did our last record. That's right. EP. I remember seeing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was just a blast recording with him. And you know, I told him I was like, I just love that Rabbit Keeper record so much, and how everything sounds. I just really wanted to like do something with you. And he was like, you know, I can make your band sound like that, but that Rabbit Keeper record took me like six months. It sounds like it. Of agonizing. And he and, and it's like, what, 15, 18 minutes? Like, it's real short. It's not super long. No. It's definitely less than a half hour. It sounds like it was freaking labored over. Yeah. But yeah. but it works. Like, sometimes oh, you hear something that's labored over. Like, have you ever heard um, Be Here Now by Oasis? No. <laughs> so, this is a small aside, but uh, I love going to a story mode like this. So this it was like a cocaine record, basically. You ever heard, listen to Oasis? You probably have caught one, like one or two people songs. People keep telling me I'm the knoll of the group, but I don't I don't really get the context. <laughs> I don't get it either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were big British band. Uh, everyone loved their records. The height of the Britpop. They were selling millions and millions and millions and millions of records, uh, and That's they were lot. fueled on cocaine. <laughs> like literally, they were like I think they canceled a tour because Liam Gallagher was like I had to buy a car. Yeah. And then he got arrested for possession. And everyone at the label was on cocaine as well. And their third album was coming out. And everyone who was about to review the album and who was going to do press on the album had to sign this NDA agreement that said, you're not going to talk about this with anybody. There was a specific clause that said you could not talk about the album with your partner in bed. Hmm, what? Yeah, specifically. Like, of course, cocaine was in every single facet of the right. entire... Um, but it's just you a can't, labor... You can't talk about it... <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Put it in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, eventually it came out and it, and critics at that point were just like, uh, well, it's the new Oasis album and they got faulted for before because everyone loved uh, What's Story Morning Glory and they had written it off. So they were like, oh, this is good. But it's it's a dog's dinner, apparently. Mm. It's terrible. It's just, and it's Wait, a dog's labor dinner. Over. Is that a saying? Yeah, it's a British British saying. Oh, I'm using the British saying. I know, it's a it's dog's time. dinner, yeah. it is. Wow, that British guy just walked in here. Yeah, how that was that? crazy. Yeah, bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was terrible. It was, yeah. And that's production that's labored over that just sounds like horseshit. Yeah. This mm. record, this Rabbit Keeper record, sounds like it was labored over in an, an intensely good way. Yeah. Like, everything is, it's yeah. restrained. Cam's got a great ear. This is, yeah. is going to be a weird 
correlation or what I don't know. So in in like ninth grade or tenth grade, I was really into the White Stripes and thus really into the Von Bondies. Great band to be into. And so I like loved their first record because it was recorded really sloppy and fast. And the Von Bondies or the White Stripes? Von Bondies. Ah. Um, not a good band. White Stripes, <laughs> good band. Von Bondies, not a good band. But I loved their like garage rock first record, and then they came out with their second record. And like all the you know press was like we spent two months in the studio on this like our last record we did in fifteen hours and we don't like and I'm like this sounds terrible like you overthought everything like it doesn't yeah it doesn't actually have any energy to it because it just feels overwrought plastic yeah. yeah yeah it's funny how that happens man well just why everyone talks about rock mythos or song mythos you know people in the pro producers being like. I think it was Jim Dickinson, Memphis recorder, who was like, producers are actors, mm -hmm. in a sense. You have to compel somebody, you have to pitch something to this this act that's like, you have to bring out the best in them, what, yeah. and no matter how that is, you know? I've talked to producers who have been like, you know, you gotta stay away. I've talked to producers who'd be like, cajole them into doing something else, you yeah. know? Um, while on the topic of producers, um, there can we just say for a second that in 2020, producers are basically about as important, or as revered at least, it's the actual artists that make the music, mm -hmm. you know? And it's good that now they're getting a lot of attention because they always used to be on the sidelines, you know? Yeah. I can count, you know, I, I can't really count on my hands and toes because I'd run out, but there are so many producers that have caused the sounds that we all know and love from our histories that make the sounds that we do now that just don't get recognized, you know? That's and it's good true, that, yeah. and even just in Seattle, there are so many local producers that, like, just have blown the socks off of stuff that I've listened to. There know, absolutely are. R yeah. Real quick, I, I I completely agree with you the mm. importance of producers, especially when they play their role correctly. Yeah. But as a lover, like and of all things, Steve Albini, I, I thought almost, you were just gonna say that. <laughs> as a as a lover, as a, yeah, as someone I'm who has I'm loved. gentle and kind. <laughs> uh, as a as a lover of all things, Steve Albini, like he not uh, like notably only takes engineer credit. Yeah. Like oh, he, that's right. Like, there's no such thing as a producer. I'm just setting up mics, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And and I think maybe the like. That's just the way he produces. Like whether he likes it or not, like he is the producer mm -hmm. of that. And Steve Albini has quite the mouth on him, doesn't he? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my Have God. you ever read his essays? They're great. I've read. I haven't read his essays specifically. I've read a lot of Michael Zarid when he gets caught up in that. Oh, I know yeah. he had a chapter on Big Black, and I know that he he uh, they did a chapter on when Steve Albini did Nirvana's In Utero. You and know. so the letter that Steve Albini wrote to Nirvana is online, you can find it, and it's five pages. When did he write it? Um, when they asked him to do it. Okay, so and, this was before they recorded uh -huh, And he said, okay, if you want me to do this, here's my fucking rules, mm -hmm. because I don't like this at all. And like, it's, it, he's like, I don't talk to the label, I don't see the label, mm -hmm. I don't know the label. We do it in one week at a cabin out in the, like, he like laid it all out. He was like, if you can't meet these, like, blah, 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 like, we are not doing it. Wow. If he had taken producer credit on that, he would, be rolling in it. Yeah. And he purposely did not. That's true. And he's fucking broke. Yeah, I can he, imagine. He oftentimes like makes uh rent by playing poker competitively. Holy shit, are That's you serious? True. Yeah, he yeah. talks like there's a lot of interviews where he talks about he's, it. he's really good too. Yeah, he's very good at <laughs> it poker. It sounds like it, yeah. yeah. Man a man of that's what principle will get you, I guess. Yeah. This uh fucking broke and playing poker to survive. Although that does sound like a luxurious living at times yeah. when you're on top of it. Oh yeah. You know? Uh, can I think? I'm trying to think off the top of my head some really cool local producers that that need a shout out. We've already shout out Cameron Heck. That's not his last name, right? No, it is. It is his yeah. last name. His last name. I is know, Heck. right? Yeah, I, I thought I it was a joke. Thing. I thought it was a stage name. 
God, you being born with that name, coming to grips when you're like 12 and you're mm -hmm. starting to discover what music is and being like, I could do this. How much do you think he said, what the heck, and then smiled at himself in the mirror and like shot finger guns? At least 50 times. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking. Uh, Cam, I hope you fucking do this. <laughs> uh, Cam, come on my podcast. Well, yes, you should. I'd love to talk about this. Real about More about Cam, like he, one, is just a joy to be around yeah. in general. Yeah. Like that day was so fun. Yeah, so and generally awesome human being. Yeah, and he worked really hard for us. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's a part of, I believe, what they are calling the Whale House Studio Cooperative. Whale House. Yeah, that's down in South Park, right? Yep. Okay, mm -hmm. so, I'm about to do some recordings there next week. Oh, cool. Or not oh, nice. next week in February. Are you doing so. it with Cam? Jack? I'm doing it with Dylan. Dylan Hammer, Grandpa. Yeah. Oh, cool, oh, cool, cool. So yeah, I would love to touch on him too. But mm. I know Jack McCool. Uh, from Jack like, McCool from Medium Weekend. Yeah, like, uh, who is also just the nicest guy. He, yeah. He's in a bunch of bands, like Screaming Multitudes, Lawyers, uh, and he's just a chiller. He also books the Monkey Pub. Um, oh, really? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, he's a hell of a drummer, too. He's yes, he is. Indeed. I remember catching that band at least three times, I think. Yeah. Uh, we did uh, not have the pleasure of working with him, but I know he works out of there as well, and mm -hmm. I've heard from a ton of people that he's great to work with yeah um that's important that first record that we did we actually we did with dylan hanwright really yeah mm -hmm. and it was the first record he ever did are you yeah, serious yeah. Oh, yeah the proof cp was the first thing he ever yeah. did. yeah wow uh and i think he did a great job on it he did I, it I sounds did. fantastic yeah. uh my yeah. bass tone on it is fucking terrible <laughs> i absolutely hate it how was that so was uh, just, was because i was playing this like p bass that just didn't sound very good naturally yeah i'm not necessarily a tone daddy like i buy good gear so <laughs> is that a real term i may i mean i say tone it. daddy, tone daddy. Yeah. that's a uh, name uh but I, <laughs> I i you know i try to like lean into good gear that makes me look good um but don't <laughs> one of the funniest things was like I come from a background of playing sloppy and, like, more or less punk music, and, like, I had, like, a noise band for a while and yeah. all this stuff. I'm not the most finessed player. Yeah. And at one point, I was recording one of the songs, and, like, my bass was peaking, and he's like, hey, very kindly, was like, you know, you don't have to, like, hit the strings as hard as possible. Because <laughs> I'm, like, in, down his, easy. in the wormhole just being, like, boom. Yeah. Bang, like I, I, I would like get my pick up under the string and like pull on it. Oh my god! And yeah. He, he'd be like, you, he's just like clip, don't, clip, clip. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you know, if you just you know sort of tap the string, it makes the noise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I and that, that was actually a really good like centering. Yeah. Like as a player, <laughs> uh -huh. I'm like, okay, especially in a three piece where I can't really hide behind you know True. other guitars. I imagine there there must be a, a good reason for it live. If you're trying to make a performance out of oh, it, oh yeah, but like you know, in a recording setting with oh, I hit all the sense. strings when I play live. <laughs> <laughs> I get too busy. It's just one noise. I get too busy dancing, and then I'm like, oh right, I'm in a band. I'm playing the song. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> it's calm, collect. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but working with Dylan was really great too, and it was. Uh, I love Dylan so much. It, it's been awesome yeah. to see him grow as a producer because he's done so many bands since then. And they just sound better and better. I mean, the Salt Lake EP is really good. Yes, um, I remember that. I think I he's working out of Buttermilk now. Yeah, yeah Buttermilk. Yeah, he's yeah. so that's what I'm doing recording for us because Arbor Towers recorded a. This is an aside. I might have mentioned this before, but Arbor Towers recorded. James was, but my drummer was about to move to Florida, so we're like, crap. We got to get all the songs that we've written so far on record so that yeah. we just have them. Mm -hmm. So we went down to a place which shall remain unnamed, 
And uh, we record them all in a whole day, eight songs. Wow. It's a full EP. I mean, full LP. I like great songs. Yeah. Oh, you're great. You're great. <laughs> and uh, three hours go by. I go back to my place. And then I get a call from the guy who produced it and said he sounded panicked. I was oh, like, what's going on? No. He said that he was working with new technology. Mm. Is an excuse. And he forgot to record the snare drum and the bass guitar. Are you f- or just like no something way. else was tracked. What? I was like... How does that happen? Oh. <laughs> and we were able to record the bass guitar. He's like, I'll do it for free. But James had to leave for Florida two days afterwards. So we weren't able to re-record the, sna- the snare drum. So we're like, I'm like, fuck, man. Did he give you your money back? And, I mean, we just ended up re-recording it for free. You know, okay. like, oh, same okay. thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it ended up working out. But again, without a snare drum, we recorded overheads in rooms. So we were like, uh, whatever. But I sat on those recordings for months until Dylan, who I was working with at the time, because he works at Empire, um, was like, I'll produce your stuff. Empire. Empire. I wish they had that phone. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even have a phone. What the fuck? I know. Well, you can't build an empire. You know why? Because they have people calling up and being like, "Are you open?" And they're like, "No." And yeah. Like, Close <laughs> it. Yeah. So uh, he offered to do the recording. So he's or he's going to do mixing. We're going to do Oberzebs there, and hopefully that'll be coming out sometime. I don't know. We're not playing any more shows, so I guess yeah. we'll just put it out and be like, "Here you go. Here's yeah, some music." Yeah. No, that's that's nice. cool. Yeah. Um, you know, keep us posted. Mm-hmm. He has a great ear. He does indeed. Yeah. Dylan's wonderful. You know. I'm trying to think. There's another guy. I remember there's a guy who's in a band. We played with a band called Beige Radio one day. It's um it's uh god, uh Wes Gonzalez's band. He's the guy who books the Royal Room. I don't know if he's still doing that. Um but it's him and Nathan McMillan's on bass and everything that Nathan McMillan pr- has mastered because he does mastering is fucking phenomenal. Hmm. From a you have to go check him out. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. He did Miko Miko's one of Miko Miko's first singles. Um he's just done a lot of stuff that what I band? remember listening to. It's a band called Miko Miko. Miko Miko? Yeah, Miko oh, Miko. Oh weird. There there's this like really awesome punk band from LA called Mika Miko. Oh, it's not together anymore, but they used to come up and play they were like part of the smell like when that was all happening in LA. They're awesome. I their records are out there. Yeah, interesting. Because yeah. I remember we so we played a show with Miko Miko and Beige Radio. It was the same thing, it was at all Hollow Earth. And uh they didn't have a drummer at the time. Excuse me. So it was just a guy singing and then a guitarist and a bassist trio. And they were doing like they had a drum machine, but it was like real low key. And then they're like, check out our single. And at the top of my head, I was like, I'll just check out the single because I saw it on Bandcamp. And I love was singles. Phenomenal. Like it was, it sounded so so good. I was blown away. Nice. I was like, holy shit. So and then everything else. If I see Nathan McMillan's credit on a track, I will listen to it listen. because it's so good. Yeah. Hmm. So check out that dude. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, I know he does rates and stuff, but he's around. Yeah. You know, I don't know where he lives. Central District, probably. I don't know. Who uh, knows. We, so we, yeah, we've worked with Dylan Hanwright, we worked with Cam, and then on our album, we worked with Dylan Wall, who I cannot recommend enough. I don't know if I've met him. Uh, he's, he's kind of he's a somewhat recluse. elusive. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I mean, he just, like, lives in Beacon Hill with his girlfriend, wife, and, like... I think they're married, he, yeah. Uh, oh, they're married? Yeah. Would they tie them in? Were you invited? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Wall. Uh, he's so fucking cool, and... He has done some of my favorite records of all time. Really? Yeah, he's uh, he did all of the Weed records. Uh, oh, Weed yeah. from Portland. Uh, no, different one. Oh, without the three E's? Yeah, E's. the two E's, the one that okay. I like. Okay. Uh, no offense, Other Weed. You I, should check out the Other Weed. I you... have. <laughs> oh, my shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're a band. Yeah. Uh, but the Other Weed is like one of my favorite bands of all time, and I love everything they've done, and they're in a... Like, Will, the main guy, is in a new thing called Hotline TNT from Vancouver, and 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. Cool. We, uh, and but Dylan just has this like, like he's done a ton of stuff for like captured tracks and hardly art. He did uh, the Versing. first Great Grandpa album. Yeah. Versing. Oh, I love that record. Yeah. Pla- he did Plastic Cough. Yeah. Um, he did this band that I used to really like called Houseu. Um, Sun Things. Sun th- I would Yeah. So. There's this record. I highly recommend reaching out to Dylan Wall on DylanWall.com. I, I actually friended him on Facebook right now. So, Dylan, if you got your friend request, it's happening right oh, now during shit. this recording. I actually don't know that DylanWall.com is a website. <laughs> but if you just search, like, Dylan Wall Seattle Recording, try to see if he will send you the Sun Things record. S-O-N-T-A... I don't need to spell things. Yeah. <laughs> S-O-N Things. <You> could. <laughs> uh, it's... It was never really fully released, and it was this guy, Greg, who made this record back when I was, like, 20, 21. And Greg's played in a lot of things, like Bee Stings. He played drums in Dardo for a while. Cool. Love that band. Uh, he is awesome. And that record is, like, this, like, what, indie rock masterpiece? Ooh. Would you yeah, that's brilliant. It's that's bril- a it's title. It's so oh, catchy. Sun but also things. so interesting. Okay. Uh, actually, you can. I'll I'll give you the record. Like you can email me JoeTady at gmail.com. That's right. I don't That's JoeTady at gmail.com. Email's overrated. Is it? Mail's also not hot anymore. Use Gmail. Gmail. That's what true. if I named my kid Gmail? You could. <laughs> it just depends on how you spell it. Yeah, but I, no, I would spell it Gmail. Yeah. Gmail emails. Yeah. Tady. So my name's Gmail. Yeah, I know. His middle name is emails. Yeah. Gmail, <laughs> Gmail emails. Tady. <laughs> Do it. Commit to it. I'm into it. You only have one life. You know. Uh, he only has one life too. I guess. I know, <laughs> and I'm gonna sun. ruin it with that yeah, shitty it's just, name. Just sun things. Uh, so, but it's <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, I can't say enough good things. Dan, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, you. I mean, you. I was in a music slump for a while. You gave me that. Uh, oh yeah, hard drive. Picked you right up. Yeah. Like Flint and Tinder like, or whatever the fuck. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Nice. It's, it's okay. great. And so, Dylan Wall. When we well Mr. when we Dylan were working Wall. with him, we asked him what his favorite thing he ever worked on was, and he was like, "It's this album that you probably know, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Actually, I have heard that, and I fucking love it." Really. Uh, he Dylan Wall has a long history with like the old Redmond Firehouse, which is an all ages venue that. Um, it's not quite in the same capacity it used to be, but it meant a lot to me as a kid. Yeah. And he started like recording bands there, and it's it's funny because we we were definitely in a lot of the same space at the same time. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. didn't know each other. Right. Uh, and I definitely used to go see a, a band he was in called Get Dressed, for um, like the one person who's listening that will know that <laughs> reference. But uh, he he just has done amazing work and can capture so much messiness and distill it into something listenable. Cool. That's a fantastic quality, too. Yeah. Distilled chaos. Also, watching him work is crazy. He'll be like, man, for this, I'm going to have to like cut this out and do this. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's an hour. And he's like, done. Like, he's literally like, like, he's just a master. The keystrokes. Yeah. One day, I know, I was teaching myself Logic Pro, and I was like, what? Hold I can on, what? Barely use Control garage, and man. command? Yeah. An option? I grew up with uh, PCs, and I, I started working at Macs when I was in a lab in college. And now that I have a Mac and I do most of my work on it, I'm like, there's so many different buttons. I'm getting a Dell. Hold down. You're getting a Dell? I'm getting a Dell. Where is she? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a Dell. I only use for gaming, though. You know, Sick. Because the first laptop I owned was a Dell. Sims. <laughs> yes, I did play Sims. How did you know? I, I guess. I mean, because I love SimCity and like, oh, Age of Empires 2. I'm playing Civ 6 right now. Oh, sick. A... Oh, fuck, I used to I play Civ 
four or five? Five, like a five lot. was where I started. Yeah. I remember doing land parties uh, in college at Civ yeah. Five. All my friends would play Civ Five. I used to go so to great. the Wizards of the Coast store in uh, in Redmond. In Redmond. And, yeah, and you could go like buy Warhammer stuff, like all this nerdy stuff, and then Ooh. also pay per hour to like sit at these PCs and play Counter-Strike and land games with everyone else there. Oh, shit. And I was, like, obsessed with it, and I was very bad at it. Yeah, I'm very fine. bad at video games. I don't really play them anymore. <laughs> but you but... still like them, right? I mean, I had a good time playing that one. Good. Yeah. Excellent. I used to live by Wizards of the Coast when I lived in Renton. Oh, they yeah. They operate there. Oh, yeah, the headquarters is there. I didn't go to the building or anything, but, you know. We can go together. Let's do it. Yeah. Pilgrimage to Wizards of the Coast. We'll be like, hi, and they'll be like, get out. Yeah, they're like, what are you doing <laughs> Security here? badge? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So lots of important products. Uh, we're with the podcast? There. Yeah. <laughs> the Tape Deck podcast. I'm going to, I'll get like one of those hats with just a white piece of paper that says press on it, you know, like <laughs> exactly. stuck in it. Get a black shirt with white label that says security. You can go anywhere the oh, fuck you want. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I tried doing that one time in college. Um, so in Northampton, oh. it's coming, rolling it back. Uh, there's uh, a group called, I think it's the, the Calvin Group or whatever. And they own all the venues around Northampton. So the Iron Horse, the Calvin mm -hmm. Pearl Street, that little shitty nightclub. I've been to the Iron Horse. Yeah. So there's this one guy, one group that owns all of it, and he makes bands. I don't know if this is true now, but it was true back in 2013 when I was frequenting all these venues. He makes artists that come through sign a contract saying that they won't play anywhere else in Western Massachusetts for five years, which is why so many artists avoided what? that place like the plague. It's actually also why Wiz Khalifa kept playing at Pearl Street even when he was getting exorbitantly big back in 2013 huh. because he signed that contract. That's wow. dumb. And he's just like, well, I can't play Springfield or Worcester. I guess yeah. I'll just play Northampton, <laughs> you know? Huh, that's yeah. weird. It's real dumb, yeah. I remember somebody talking about it. I was like, that's fucked up, you know? That Again, is... I don't know if it's true now, but it was true back then. That's fucking make bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I know the mayor. <laughs> Hello, Calvin. Yeah. Mr. Calvin. It's me. Get the fuck off of that. It's me. Marty. <laughs> Let's go back to the future. Yeah. What, it's me, Marvin. Marvin Barry? Marvin Calvin. Here's that new sound you've been looking for. <laughs> God, I want to get a call like that. Maybe that's how Proofs finds its new sound. Yeah. Right? Holy shit, get a call from the future. Oh, yeah. It just ends up being the dial-up tone. Yeah. <laughs> it's Y2K music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bring it back to Dan Behar. I, I'm trying to think of... Any other producers... For the record, we're talking about, like, rock producers, indie rock producers. Yeah. There's oh, so yeah. many I mean, different other producers around Seattle that, There's... Like, yeah, I'm not trying to... Di this isn't to diss anyone. This is just to highlight the people that I have personal experience with. Which is true. Uh, Jose diaz Ro. I'm getting his name really wrong. I'm going to look it up right now uh, so we make sure that that is clear as Jose. silk. He, Jose. he used to be in this band around here called Neighbors. I believe he moved to New York, but he... Did a ton of awesome local music, and I remember there being a write-up in like the Seattle Times or something really? of Dylan Wall and Jose about like local producers. Oh, yeah. um, Dylan had it framed on his yeah. wall, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Jose was such a nice guy, and his band was really cool, and he just does good work. Cool. And what, he was did... that his name? No, different guy. Uh, okay. If you go to DylanWall.com, let me. Uh, it's Jose Diaz. There's someone listening who's like, fuck you, I know exactly <laughs> I, I think he did the first Chastity Belt record. Oh, interesting. Okay, so that's worth checking out. Is it Was it No Regerts? Yeah. No Regerts. And he was just a nice guy. There's also Ian Curtis 
Christ or Christ? Ian Curtis Christ, who also plays as Beret. Yeah. I did a review of theirs because um, Beret put out a new record called Jesus White. Yeah. Think, which is great. It's very good. Great record. I really enjoy it. Yeah. He has made a ton of local records. He moved to Montreal and came back. He was also in this band Health Problems around yes, here I for a long that. time. Yeah. Their stuff is still out there. If you like, you know, rock, noise rock, post-hardcore stuff, check it out because it's fucking rad. Mm-hmm. Beret is also very good. And I, I've always sort of been interested in working with him. Like sometimes I just have my mind: Are we making the rounds of all, all the, the people? Yeah, just to see what they what can sticks. knock out of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good call, I'm though. Post. Yeah. You know what's funny is I I was I remember looking up just typing in Seattle music producer just on Google just to see what comes up. Use Bing, but okay. And it's yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you just get porn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wherever. Weird. Somehow there's Seattle music producers. You see it as a headline. Yeah. Porn. Um, just dicks. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the worst thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, all of these studios that come up are all like pro- professional studios, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Studio X, Electro Kitty. All the Bear names, Creek. Bear Creek, yeah, exactly. You never hear about any of these guys that are doing it at the local level. Yeah, that's yeah. like that are that are great recorders, great producers. Amazing, yeah, you know, they never get that attention. That it's nice that we're giving them a shout out for that. You know, yeah. 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 Also, I want to give a shout out uh, to my boy Taylor, uh, the drummer of Orbach and Merso. Not Sill. Slash Sill. No, not Orbach Sill. and Merso sounds like an amazing <laughs> law firm. Uh, <laughs> He works at Bear Creek and does a lot of engineering there and yeah. is sort of an unsung hero there to the point where I think he's overworked and maybe taking his leave. But yeah. he's a very talented human that if you ever want him to mix your record, uh, you absolutely should. I've known him for years and I cannot remember his last name. <laughs> Taylor. Taylor. Taylor from Bear Creek. Taylor. Look up the band Merso, whose record is amazing. How do you spell it? M-E-R-S-O. S-O. And they are very good. Uh, my f- other friend, Taylor the Bone Romoser, known as colloquially hey as Hey Bone. <laughs> He's known as Bone or Bonesaw. Okay. Uh, they played in that band together and they're just extremely talented musicians. Fuck yeah. And they currently play as Orbach, who we've played some shows with and really good shit. Excellent. I also want to shout out because I started to know him down the street. Uh, there's a sandwich place called The Other Coast, and I met this guy named Alex, Alex Hubel, from, who uh, records at The Unknown in Anacortes. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, Is uh, that Brett Larson's place? Like the I guy from Beat so. Happening? I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's just a small... I know a bunch of bands that have done recordings there, and uh, yeah, fantastic place. All the stuff that I've heard from there is fantastic. They, it's also one of those places where they give them a lot of time yeah. you know, to record and if stuff. If I got Brett so. Larson's name wrong, please forgive me. Listen. It's fine. Brett. <laughs> this is 2020. Everyone does their own yeah. information now. I don't listen to Beat Happening very much. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> there was a compilation that came out. I think there was a box set of Beat Happening stuff where they collected it all and put oh, it together cool. that I need to do because Beat Happening is one of those bands that I'm not terribly familiar with, but I know of them yeah. and I know the story behind them and I know about K Records. Yeah. You know, I so. I love. I actually love Beat Happening. I used to listen to it a lot more. Yeah. Uh, one time at work, I put on like I we were closing and I put on a playlist, and one of the Beat Happening songs came on Honey Pot. It's like Honey. It's just his voice. Honey Pot. I love you a lot. Honey Pot. It's like. And it's very short, very and simple. someone turned to me and was like, did you just put your band on? Holy shit. <laughs> and I was like, one, I can't tell if that's a compliment yeah, or a I was dig. Like, no, they were mad. And I was like, one, do you think I'm going to play some like bedroom recording of me here? For yeah. real? I would never put my band on at work. But also, that's fucking Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Who I also saw play at this old house called The Bread Factory. Really? And when I was w- much younger, and it was awesome. 
and he just had a pink guitar that he mostly just drummed on and mostly just made us sit down in a yard and danced around and sang acapella. Like that sounds very Calvin. Johnson. Yeah, and it was just like get in. Like there oh, was yeah. it was it was almost like <laughs> it was almost it was like beat poetry in a way where he because he was just like get in, get in. Like there's this song that I like <laughs> that it's a dub narcotic song, but like he's just singing it acapella. How old was he at the time? You think? Uh, how do I say? <laughs> um, oh yeah, old. that's right. Yeah. I looked it up on Wikipedia. He's born in front of He and he was wearing like a pink Letterman's jacket too, and he was both the coolest person I've ever seen and the weirdest the person I've ever fucking, seen. Yeah, Calvin Johnson is one of those guys that I think is eternally misunderstood, and also just he's this cultish figure that so many people understood him exactly the way he yeah. was. You know, he produced the Lonesome Crowded West. He did Mouses. indeed. And oh wait, hold on. I said that, but then I thought about it, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> it, shit. so I'm... there's there's like an interview, like there's footage of them all like recording it on YouTube. I've watched. Really? It's like yeah, it's there's like a documentary about Modest Mouse at the time on YouTube. Oh yeah, it's I think it's just did a, a documentary of it. Pitchfork did a documentary that was the Lonesome Crowded West. They just they did the whole recording of it, and I think it was mentioned at one point. I don't know. I turned my brain off. I don't know point. if Calvin Johnson's joking in it or not. I think he's probably trying to nag his friends a little bit, but he As he, does. he gets asked about the record, and he's like, honestly, I don't think it's very good. I liked it. I liked Modest Mouse a lot better when it was just Isaac Brock playing uh, like 30-second songs on his answering machine in his room. Yeah. Because if you listen to Sad Sappy Sucker, all those are on there, mm-hmm. his answering machine things, and... That's just like a very Calvin Johnson thing. To, like it was better when it was like in a bedroom in his pajamas. <laughs> like and it's like all right, Lonesome deal. Crowded West is amazing, and fuck you. Yeah, and I can't tell if you're serious or not. Well, everyone, so anyone who works on it has their own opinions about yeah. what that shit is. Some people love it, some people hate it. You know, I can imagine though. I can imagine him feeling that way. God, Calvin Johnson. Someone, someone is he? He's still alive, right? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, 50s, yeah, totally. 60s, mm-hmm. maybe. Something. It's Jose Diaz Rojena. Rojena. How do you spell that last name? It's a majestic uh, name. R O H E N A. So it's T H I N G S. I just need to finish it. Some things. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm sorry. I hate to interrupt. I've basically chugged this beer. I also need and to. Yeah, it is. I just realized it is 9.2%. So. Oh, you're fucked. <laughs> <I'm> fucked. <laughs> um. So that's cool. I'm trying to think of anybody we can, we can shout out. People, people, the names we need. You know who I want on the podcast? This is a hip-hop producer. I want Vitamin D on my podcast right now. I don't now. know who that is. Vitamin D is a hip-hop producer who has been in Seattle since the 90s. Oh, wow. Like, he knew the guys from Diggable Planet who would eventually become uh, Shabazz Palaces. Right. Like, mm. he is just, and an, he is a, a person who has maintained a support of Seattle's hip-hop community since the 90s right. you know everyone who's trying to be up and coming he's like he'll he'll be there to support him he's a producer he's put out so many records on Bandcamp. i did a review of uh, mama's basement which was fantastic like i just it, it's a very seattle hip-hop especially classic seattle hip-hop has a very specific sound to it it's very warm kind of rainy Blue scholars you know, yeah exactly yeah. you can think about it you know so you know that's it's not it's obviously not my wheelhouse i don't know almost any of that world even though i know it's flourishing it's and, very underground yeah you know? and, and i uh i don't know my interaction with it is mostly shabazz palaces mm-hmm. uh fuck have you checked out diggable planets i i've listened to that them was the precursor uh, yeah, rather, yeah the guy's there was at least one person who was in Diggable Planets that becomes Shabazz Palace. Who's the Ishmael. Who's the young woman who doesn't live here anymore? Who Gifted Gab? No. no. What's um, her fucking name? We should check out Gifted Gab if you haven't already. She's fucking yeah. amazing. Producer. She's amazing. She's rapper. just a single. She wears like butterfly. Why? 
She's so fucking cool. And I can't remember the name. Oh, I, uh, I, can't I, uh, I can't remember. Uh, if I type into the Facebook search But I also saw engine. Blue Scholars uh, once at, like, Capitol Hill Block Party back in the day, and they blew my mind. Like, I was surprised. I, I don't listen to that type of music. It usually doesn't do much for me. But I was blown away at how fucking great they are. Yeah, man. It's one of those things, every time I come upon a hip-hop act that is Seattle-based, something I've probably never heard of, something that I would, I would never interact with that just comes upon, I come upon it, and listen to it and be like, wow. Yeah. Holy shit. That's a type of production that I have no idea how you even go about. Yeah, man. It's a whole different ball game. You know, who knows? It's football compared to oranges. Yeah. <laughs> Killed oranges. I'm trying to think. Um, Real quick, we just want to set something straight. It's do normal. Do normal. Do. <laughs> yeah. Holy fucking shit. You know what? When you were saying, oh, there's this cool rapper, I was like, what if it's do normal? Yeah. Of course it's do normal. <laughs> She's fantastic. She's fucking badass. Yeah. So good. She's been hustling. As far as, and as far as we're talking about cool rappers here, I'm going to a Guayaba show tomorrow. Have you ever seen Guayaba? Mm-mm. First of all, check out her new record, Phantasmagoria. I did a review on it uh, last month, and it's fucking phenomenal. The Seattle Times called it the best record that came out of Seattle. Um, wow. this year, uh, which is a high praise, but it's also totally worth it. It's real eclectic. Um, talks about uh, there's like a lot of Latin influence as well. You, you know. would know. You speak Latin. That's true. I do. <laughs> Six years. Okay, so I think we're pretty much ready to wrap this up. Um, is there anything that you guys want to say about your band or any other bands you want to shout out? Like, I know that math rock is pretty prominent in this particular city. We don't necessarily know. take to the moniker of math rock. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> because, because I feel like that core is people, yeah. we're just weird rock, because I feel like that makes people think that we're like finger tapping and like we are math, like I we use weird time signatures and everything, but you can also sing along to our songs and shit. Also true. See, this is it's what I wanted true. to mention, is that the reason why I think you guys are phenomenal Oh, wow, is because uh, there are mathy components to the band. And I've seen math rock bands play before where they start going to really weird time signatures and all of a sudden, and I love that shit because I used to drum. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like, ha, 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 Yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, you guys keep it, I don't want to say simplistic, but you keep it at a very even level where you can let people who don't necessarily, who, who don't really latch on to time signatures or have trouble following the beat, uh, which can often be... That can turn people away from math yeah. rock. You guys keep it at that level where it's enjoyable at a very base level. You know, we we, it's not. Is that accurate? We, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we we try to do that on purpose. Like we want there to be catchy things to our songs, and we want people to be able to like understand the hook of it and like move around to it. Yeah, um, it's a it's a hard line to walk. Yeah, I like, can imagine between being invent or trying to be inventive, but also trying to be simple enough for people to yeah yeah also i want to have something i can sing to (laughs) like like i I like to even though we just yell all of our vocal lines have some sort of game voice is great come on it's true i think i i don't think you yell yeah you i think it's more of a an exclamation you know more than a yell you know it's like a I don't know what it is. Not to say that what oh, you're no, doing I is don't, not. I don't know. I yell. That would be <laughs> weird if I was like, no, I don't. I don't fucking yell. It's your middle name. Yeah. So your parents named you. It's Patrick, actually, if you want to look me up. What uh, if parents named their middle child, or they gave the middle name Yell, and then that kid was the quietest fucking kid in the world? <laughs> I feel like, like that would just be sad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> your namesake Come on, your yell. birthright. Come on, Come yell. on. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> Well, check these guys out. These guys, they're called Proofs, not The Proofs. 
Um, we have a band camp, out. and uh, we're we're on. I feel like Instagram is the best place to look for us at Proofs Band. Proofs Band. Um, com. Carlos runs it, and he's good at it. So Carlos, is it Proofs Band yeah. or Band? Proofs? <laughs> it's Proofs Band. Oh. Is there anything that Carlos doesn't do? For you guys, uh, he doesn't play Carlos guitar. Is our rock, honestly. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a beast. The of the band, especially when we play bad shows, and Dan and I are like, we're <coughs> the worst musicians ever. We should quit. And Carlos is like, that was fun. Like he's like, oh, good job, guys. Oh yeah, he brings. <laughs> yeah, it and up. you're like, damn it. That's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, every band needs that. All right. Well, check out Carlos. Check out these guys. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. This was super fun. Yeah. That was, this I'm glad was, you guys yeah, are here. I'm glad. It's, it's always fun talking yeah. about <laughs> shit, you know? And it's, I think personally, it's fun when you guys are listening. So thank you so much for listening to the Tape Deck. Um, it comes out every Friday. Check us out at tapedeckpodcast.com. We've got all this stuff. I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>